rise and shine. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to Good Morning Aurora. News, weather, and really cool interviews. Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. Good evening, Aurora. Good evening, everyone. Uh, this is Monday, the 24th of April. Uh, we are here to speak about child exploitation uh, as we do monthly. This is this month's and this evening's topic uh, with our partners of Kane County Law Enforcement. And uh, our guests tonight are Mr. Robert Dorr, Chief of the Criminal Division, Zeus Flores, Director of Digital Forensics, and state's attorney Jamie Mosser. How's everybody doing this evening? Really good. Good. Fine. Thank you. All right. All right. Uh, we did have a um, Zoom call a couple of days, so I got the the chance to speak briefly with Robert and Zeus about um, the activities and things that we're going to talk tonight about and just learn a little bit. But this will be for the benefit of everyone listening and in Kane County. Um, so um, there was a press conference today. Um, the Kane County State's Attorney and the Sheriff announced an initiative to combat child exploitation. Um, the new Child Exploitation Unit actually began investigating cases in August of 2022 with the addition of its first specialized investigator. So, um, to start off with, um, what are the specific tasks of this unit? So, the task is to look at internet crimes against children to, in, I first of all, identify them, investigate them, and then if there is a crime, obviously we're going to arrest them and prosecute them. And the one that people most commonly know about is child pornography. Child pornography is anything where you have an image or a video of a child that is under the age of 18 years old in a way that the child is partially clothed or completely unclothed. It's essentially um, child abuse what we're seeing on this. And so child pornography is rampant. Uh, we see a lot of people who are not only possessing it, but sending it out. And so the point of this unit is to be able to find those cases, have specialized people who not only know how to investigate them, who can find the information once we get people's phones and computers, and then people who prosecute them to make sure that these people are held accountable. Okay. Um, now you mentioned that um... Uh, you know, there's the imagery, but then there's also the dissemination. Yes. So there's the, the spreading it out there, um, and both are rampant. So according to the National Children's Alliance, suspected child sexual exploitation increased 2,800% from 2012 to 2021. Now, locally in Kane County, uh, we've been talking kind of nationally, how big of an issue have, have we noticed this to be? Big enough to create a unit. But let's delve into it a little bit deeper and uh, perhaps Robert or Zeus wants to tackle. I don't know if you want to talk about why. So Bob is the genius behind this because this is what he wanted to do. And one of the things that he did is he actually looked up how many active cyber tips that we had. So I'm going to have him explain cyber tips and how many that we had at that time. Um, cyber tips <clears throat> are uh, tips from 
internet platform providers and even from like for instance uh, Comcast, uh, AT&T Uverse, Verizon, um, and even from cyber tips come even from social media providers like Facebook, Snapchat, and other platforms that uh, provide uh, avenues for people to share information. What happens is these providers do not want their platforms, for the most part, to be involved in sharing images or videos that uh, contain child exploitation material or child sex abuse material. So when the providers learn that, uh, or based on their analysis of their platforms that it's being used for that, they send a tip to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Okay. They have a, they work with every state's uh, Internet Crimes Against Children's Task Force. So for instance, if something happens here in Illinois, they believe that it, it originated in Illinois by their analysis, either through uh, an IP address or uh, other scientific evidence, they'll forward that to the Internet Crimes Against Children's Task Force. They believe it's in your state. If they can narrow it down to the region, like for instance in Kane County, they will forward it here to uh, the respective agency in Kane County. And we, we are, we created this unit to assist all of the agencies here in our county in Kane that don't have the, the resources to do the further investigation that's required to find out where it originated. Right, wow. Um, where it originated. Yeah. Um, that's, so there's there's a lot to this, um, and you are on the forensic side, Zeus. Correct. Um, so uh, taking what, what Robert just told us, forensically, um, how do you work, what is your work mm -hmm. like, um, and what, you know, what do you see? So uh, between the cyber tip and where I get involved, there's a couple of additional steps. And it's going to involve a lot of investigation, and there's different different ways some of this stuff comes in, aside from the cyber tips. Sometimes there's walk-ins where somebody says, I found something on a phone, and et cetera, and so they come to their local police department. Uh, but also, uh, investigators can do proactive investigations where they go out and seek people who are trading on peer-to-peer -peer networks, similar to like the old Napster when people would trade music illegally. There are networks out there where people are trading illegal material. Is that so, what's commonly known as the dark web? Uh, no, that's actually a different network. So okay. the dark web is uh, is actually uh, a, a different layer underneath what we would consider the open internet, right? Okay. Where uh, people can use software to try to circumvent the typical surveillance that exists on the internet. Okay. So there's a couple of different ways, obviously. Uh, the investigators uh, will uh, follow the, the tips, the, the leads that they get. They go out and get subpoenas for IP addresses to bring that back to an individual residence. And then at that point, once probable cause is established, we then enter the home uh, with a you know, search warrant. And then my job starts. And that's where I uh, go in and triage the equipment that's in the home, uh, determine where the evidence might be located, and then use forensic techniques to take that data and preserve it, collect it, and then put it into uh, a report so that State's Attorney Mosser can go and determine what charges might be applicable. Okay. Um, now, when you're doing that, um, what are some of the, what 
perceived barriers would a person try to erect to not have you search through devices mm -hmm. and different kinds of things? Because, you know, I'm assuming that an iPad, a cell phone, and a PC can all be in the house, but one may use one device more than mm -hmm. other things. So, so what? How do? You, how does law enforcement work against that? I'm, you know, yeah. certainly, you guys are prepared for that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a challenge at times, right? Okay. Certain devices are a little bit more apt to be uh, secure, right? Apple, for example, touts itself to be a secure platform, right? And so they put in technological. Uh, stop gaps at times that could be challenging. That doesn't mean that we can't get the data ultimately. Sure. So, because we also have tool sets that try to circumvent their countermeasures, if you will. Uh, and so each device is a little different. Um, you know, uh, certainly aside from just the security that's built into to some of these hardware platforms, there's also software out there that's meant to be anti-forensic. That's meant to go out and delete the data that's on there. Uh, but it's only as good as the people who are using it, what settings they're using, et cetera. Uh, and so um, even with that, though, um, there is a lot of breadcrumbs, a lot of artifacts, we call them, information that kind of paints the story of what happened on the device um, that often gets us what we need. Okay. Uh, can we talk about the explosion of cases? Um, and I know that we, certain locations, perhaps, we, we may want to omit uh, cities and towns, um, but if if we can bring it to a local level and talk about some of the enforcement going on specifically in Kane County and cities, if we can talk about that, let's unpack that for the listeners a little bit too, because we see on the Facebook page and on the social media that there is active uh, law enforcement going on against individuals who are possessing and distributing and, dis and disseminating. So can we talk about mm -hmm. some of that in, like, in, the, in the vigorous you know, prosecutions that we see going on? Sure. So when we first took a look at this, when we have the cyber tips, we can actually run those cyber tips to see where they're coming from. And so in King County, our two biggest policing organizations are Aurora and Elgin. Both Aurora and Elgin have investigators, and um, Aurora also has a forensic analyst similar to what Zeus does. And they are able to run these tips down. The problem that we identified is that some of the smaller communities and the smaller police departments didn't have dedicated investigators who could spend hours upon hours doing this. Um, when this begins, and it's a cyber tip, there are search warrants that go out, there are subpoenas that go out, there could be grand jury subpoenas because we're identifying information. We're getting IP addresses of the people's homes. We're finding out who lives in the home. There's a lot of legwork that goes into this, and this is hours and hours. And so we have two investigators right now at the state's attorney's office, Investigator Drew Euler and Kevin Reynolds, who are the ones who are doing all of that front-end work. I believe um, in our statistics, in terms of all of the subpoenas that they have done since August of 2022, they have... Um, investigated 187 cyber tips. Out of all of that, they did 91 search warrants. And that those search warrants don't mean search warrants necessarily in the home, it's obtaining other information like the IP addresses for the home, as I mentioned earlier. They've served 16 residential search warrants and from that we arrested nine adult offenders who were doing this. I mean, we have already probably doubled, if not tripled the numbers of cases that we've charged from the years past because 
we didn't have the amount of cases investigated that we do now. So our focus primarily is helping those police agencies that may not have the resources to track these down and frankly may not have the expertise to track these down. So we're working with them. We've done a lot in the Tri-Cities so far. We've done a couple in Carpentersville and the numbers just keep growing. Um, now this question, this next question, um, I'd like for uh, Robert and Zeus to kind of add to from both of their um, experiences, but um, is there a typical profile of an offender and has law enforcement noticed any patterns or behaviors that may be warning signs or red flags? So I'll speak without any scientific basis. I'll just <laughs> observationally over the hundreds of search warrants that I've participated in, it runs the gamut. Uh, we've got an unfortunate run of juveniles that do this. Uh, we all the way up to elderly, um, majority male, uh, but we've had some females as well. Uh, and in terms of professions, we've, we've seen it all, uh, and including you know, bus drivers and school teachers and clergy and police officers. Mm -hmm. So um, they're very good at hiding. And so, you know, there's nothing on, on their face that says this, this is what they're into. Right. right. So I've, I've seen a mix. Uh, some very enterprising juveniles. I mean, very enterprising to from having a scheme for a price range for the type of acts that they he would enter he would share uh, to a PayPal scheme all the way up to someone in their mid seventies. Wow! And everything in between. It it doesn't. There isn't a prototypical person that you look at and go, "That's the person." Right. So no, uh, it's. As Zeus said, it's it's a wide range, but I would also say that most of my defendants have been or the ones that have been male. Uh, there are, have been a few females. He probably run into more females than I have because his focus, Zeus's focus, was he was working statewide uh, for for quite a while, and so my 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 experience was within the confines of you know county jurisdictions. So. That was, but I would say it's a wide range. Uh, the time is 6.14 p.m. Thank you, everyone, for watching our uh, discussion tonight um, with Kane County State's Attorney Jamie Mosser, uh, Mr. Robert Dorr, Chief of the Criminal Division, and Zeus Flores, Director of uh, Digital Forensics. Um, let's talk about victims for a moment um, and the impact on their lives. And a specific question is, are there services within Kane County or any of the partner networks that assist children or young victims? Absolutely. So we have a very um, robust advocacy for children, not only children who we've identified who live here who have been sexually abused or assaulted or even had these photographs taken of them. We can refer them to services. We have contracts where we can even assist with the payment for services. Uh, we help them through the criminal justice system. We have trauma-informed advocates to make sure that there's somebody here who understands and is able to talk to them through these services. Uh, the tough part with some of these cases though is these could be victims that have been victims for a long time. I remember speaking with Bob one day when he was reviewing a case and just from the caption of what the photo is, he knew what the photo was because it was a widely distributed child pornography depiction. And it was probably made years and years and years ago. 
Now that's not to say it's not being made now. We are seeing that. We're seeing that people in our community are making child pornography or doing something called sextortion, where essentially they get a photo of a child or they do something. They contact them through social media and they start to force or pressure them into taking photographs and videos of themselves and sending it to them. And as a result of all of that, then we continue to see more and more abusive images that are put out there. If we identify a victim that's here, we will absolutely provide them as many services as possible. Um, I want to uh, actually, before I read, um, there are some stats that I'm going to read momentarily, um, but if Robert and uh, Zeus, I don't want to move away too quick. If you guys wanted to speak to the impact of victims in, in your experiences real quick, briefly, uh, before we uh, move on. Uh, it's devastating, right? Um, I know uh, Bob and I, in several cases that we've worked with, unfortunately, um, as Jamie mentioned, we, we recognize the same victims over and over and over again. Uh, and I know, and I won't name names of, of people sure. who come forward, but you know there have been victims that have come forward and uh, advocated, you know, um, to uh, help fight this crime. And unfortunately, when they've gone public, um, they end up uh, attracting more predators to who are trying to actually reach out to them and kind of look up to them as victims in some sort of strange way. And what ends up happening is that causes more victimization. Uh, and every time an image gets shared. Uh, it, it, it just causes more of an emotional impact. And so, um, you know, one particular victim had mentioned how um, she can't go out in public because she was wondering who's actually seen her, all right? And so it creates sort of an ever-present anxiety, right? And then at some point, the federal law um, required that notification be made to the victim anytime a case was was uh, adjudicated that it involved that particular victim and at first it started with you know a few letters and after a while it became bags of mail and so um, that sort of quantified how much that person was being distributed across the internet wow. so it has a it has an enormous impact um, and I also want to mention victims that uh, aren't necessarily involved in the child exploitation itself, but you know, family members of those who are arrested had nothing to do with this. Uh, they didn't ask for it, and uh, they unfortunately have to also suffer the ramifications of, of uh, you know, one of their own being arrested. Right, because now it's dad or it's uncle, Absolutely. and these people have a name and a face too. Absolutely. Um, uh, the time is 6.18, so I wanted to read a little bit from uh, today's joint statement, and then we'll continue to move on. Um, so, the uh, 30 million reports in 2021 translate to more than 563,000 reports per week, um, according to the most recent data available from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. There were nearly 30 million reports of online child sexual exploitation in 2021 um, in the United States. These reports involve 39.9 million images, of which 16.9 million were unique, and 44.8 million videos, of which 5.1 million were unique. Um, wow. Since 2020, since August 2022, the Kane County um, Child Exploitation Unit has investigated 187 NCMEC tips, and that's the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Created 55 criminal case investigations, served 91 six uh, search warrants. These are the facts um, and that you guys detailed uh, as well. Um, 
So with social media and the internet exploding and becoming more, you know, becoming stronger and more ways to do things and uh, more files to download from all these different places you can download and rip files from and all that kind of stuff. Um, but with the, with at the same time, people being able to be identified, are the offenders in, in a way kind of helping law enforcement because they're proliferating and having a presence online and they are able to be found on these platforms, things like that? Could you rephrase the question? I missed a little is, bit of is, it there. Is their presence on social media and what they're doing driving their, their being caught? Um, I wouldn't say necessarily. I think it's it's just a matter of these electronic service providers that are doing the due diligence of the data that's being that's flowing through their networks in order to to catch them. Okay. Right. As far as the peer to peer networks, I think they have a sense of anonymity, but it's a false sense. If they're using an IP address, essentially they're they're out there. Uh, and all this traffic occurs all day long, all across the state, all across the country. And unfortunately, there's just not enough resources to go and get everybody. Uh, so no, I think it's always been it's always been there. They're you know they're there to catch. It's just a matter of, of having the right resources to go do it. Um, and if every police department, even smaller ones, aren't able to have a a unit that's dedicated to this activity, what's it like training? We're working with law enforcement to kind of develop that and plant that seed within these, you know, because downstate, close to, you know, Missouri, there's smaller, smaller police departments and communities, but, you know, the, the problem is certainly there, too. So what's it yeah. like working with those organizations? Well, I think that that's a big component of the ICAC task force, right, because you need training, equipment, and resources, right? And so when it comes to the training aspect, I know the ICAC task force works with a lot of the affiliate agencies to set up different kinds of training. And there are also nonprofit organizations like the, uh, the National White Collar uh, Crime Center and other organizations where uh, free training is available for law enforcement because it is so specialized. Wow. Uh, and then, you know, within the state, we certainly rely on one another. Uh, the affiliate networks are very close knit. And at least in terms of the forensics, uh, we share quite a bit. If we something stumps us, we call another affiliate agency and we work together to solve the problem. Um, at what point does interaction or communication turn into exploitation? Is it the demand for explicit favors or using one's images and content against them? I think Bob, you told you, Robert, excuse me, you touched on that just a, a little bit with this, uh, you had a term, sextortion. Well, what happens is, and what happens is, and I, I've talked to other investigators about this too, um, you'll get people who uh, will portray themselves as a certain, within a certain age group. Uh, they will join either chats, uh, they will get into, uh, I, I didn't realize uh, until about five or six years ago that uh, the app Musical.ly had a chat had a chat uh, application with it. So where teenagers could, sh could share uh, music that they created or they would create, they would lip sync to a song and they would send it out. Um, predators will, will surf that. 
and they will they will portray themselves as a 13 year old as a 14 year old and they will befriend these people in these chat applications and then um, get friendly enough and most of these many of these predators have stock images of whatever age group they're purporting themselves to be and they will share images of themselves under this moniker and you know ask to that person to reciprocate and once they do they befriend them and then they will slowly groom and try to get more risque photos more risque photos and once they get what they want then the extortion starts give me a few more go into the bathroom and do whatever take pictures of yourself or else I'm going to send what you've sent me already to everybody on your friends list your parents mm -hmm. your chums at school and more often than not, unfortunately, these children acquiesce because they don't want to let mom, they don't want to let dad, they don't want anybody to know that they've done this. It takes a brave kid to say no or else again call the police or tell their parents. Right. So that's what happens with this sextortion or this coercion. Um, and the, I'm serious, excuse me. Oh, I was just going to say, kids have enough to worry about these days, let alone something that difficult to deal with. Right, and so it's very de devastating to the self-esteem, and unfortunately, some children end up suicidal as a result. Yeah, that's had that has been noted in many places. Um, um, uh, you know, the, the the coaches and the the people who make a bond with the young person at that age, when a young person's you know self-esteem and everything is so fragile. Um, but you, Barbara, you're talking about the portrayal too, because I don't know if people are understanding that, like. Grown individuals oh. who are who are for their time on the internet, you know, Eric, who's thirteen, taking on a whole new persona just to engage with young people, young underage people. Our investigations have revealed some of these predators are in their mid forties, fifties, pretending to be thirteen, fourteen year old girls. That is just that's that's really sad and scary to think about another th oh i'm sorry jamie You're fine. it comes in so many different places too even gaming systems so kids could be playing roblox which should be a you know it's not a very sophisticated game it's like what no. goes through all of this my son plays it yeah yes my all three of my children have at some point or another played it but there's a chat function through that in which people can start to do that too and then they may lead them somewhere else. So it's even as pervasive as when our children should just be relaxing and letting go and creating worlds and roadblocks that a predator tries to go in there and lure them into doing something. So, um, and I'm uh, just from personal experience right now, Steam. I'm thinking of Steam, which is another, like, it's a platform with which you could play games and online and interact. Um, as a parent, I have been confident in the in the base level of security that was required to make the account. Mm -hmm. But I do worry though, because of the fraud and the crime and how these people act, it's so pervasive that they are consistently making conveniently quirky new ways to bypass these systems mm -hmm. um even with disney plus you know even with disney plus too um that's another thing i'm worried about uh you know i, I just wanted to kind of point that out for the listeners 
who have children and use these things, the extra layer of security that we go through as parents, um, it may not always be yeah. sufficient. I think when it comes to all of the social media platforms, right, there are certainly some that are worse than others. But you have to assume if a child is online engaging in some sort of social application that there are predators lurking, they're trying to find ways. So absolutely. So the, the answer is people need to talk to their kids. I talk to my kids probably way more openly than anybody else does, but that's because I have to prosecute these cases. And so part of what I want my kids to understand is that if something's happening, they have to come to me because we can shut it down. And I know we can shut it down because we've created a team that can shut it down. And I talk to them about cases that happen here in King County. People that I know know my kids and are friends with my kids, but my kids don't know. Uh, we had a case where it started where the kid you know, was showing his armpit essentially, and then this predator got them to show more. And it started with something that shouldn't have caused the kid to feel like he had to do that, but it was so much pressure, I'm going to do this. And kids are worried about what anybody thinks about them. And understanding how cruel some kids can be at school, it terrified him so much that he gave more and more until a parent finally found out about it. So talk to your kids about this. I mean, people have to have these conversations so that your children feel comfortable enough coming to you and then they have to go to law enforcement. That's the next important key. Going to law enforcement? Yes, because then we can start the investigation. We can find the person who's doing it. We can maybe help shut it down so that these images don't go any further than what they had already gone. And unfortunately, with the sextortion cases, what I've been seeing is uh, some of these individuals are beginning to network and they're tag teaming the victimization on a victim. Mm -hmm. They will share details They'll look up details of the child and share that with others, and they take turns trying to sextort that particular victim. So it gets pretty bad. Can I use your phone for this? Yes, absolutely. Um, Curtis, yes. when we were growing up, and this, this is going to date me, we used to have the, we used to have this thing about, we used to have the warnings about Mr. Stranger Danger, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, this is the problem. This brings Mr. Stranger Danger inside the threshold of your house. Mm -hmm. right. He's not out on the street. He or she is inside your home in these. Right. So parents have to have some type of parental controls. If you allow their children to have these applications and utilize these social media sites, do it with do it safely with parental controls so that a parent can monitor the activity. Right. Because if you can't, you have no idea who they're chatting with. And that's the problem. Right. And sometimes it's not just a 40, 50 year old guy. Sometimes it's a boyfriend who is trying to uh, get a nude pic of the girlfriend. And before you know it, it's being spread across multiple kids at the high school. So it's, it's about parent engagement, teaching them how to handle themselves safely on the internet. Because once it's out there, it's can't, can't get it back. Right. Um, now, two things to that point. Uh, the time is 6.30. Jameson Eisenmenger says it's true. Our kids love uh, when mom comes home from prosecutor trainings. <laughs> so, so that is my husband, and it's his birthday today, so happy birthday to him. Happy, happy birthday, birthday, Jameson. Happy birthday. Uh, but the last training that I went to on this, I learned uh, a little thing about Snapchat. So you can go into Snapchat, and there's actually a portion of it that says, for your eyes only. Mm -hmm. I had never seen this at all. 
And so the trainer was telling us all about it and, you know, check into that. So, of course, I go home, I check my daughter's phone, it's not activated, good. I check my son's phone, activated, and I'm like, what is in this? (laughs) It was a very loud, loud yell at that point. And, you know, when I looked in it, it was workout things that he was doing for himself. But Mm -hmm. I'm like, you're going to delete that right now because nothing is for your eyes only. Right. And so, but it's little tips like that, that as parents, we don't know. I had never heard of STEAM until right now when you told this to me. Oh, yeah. There are so many things out there that we're not keeping up with because we don't, we're not on our phones all day. Yeah. Um, I was fortunate. uh, I'm, I'm a part of AmeriCorps. I was fortunate in 2018 to go to a a hiring event at, um, I believe, University of Chicago. Um, There was a an agent from the DEA who was the speaker. He had been part of a task force in Chicago. And he was talking about how drug dealers and gang members are using Telegram and these other apps uh, for their encryption potential to move fentanyl and other things. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how they are trying to circumvent, was the word of the day, and get, and it was fascinating um, and the CIA was there too it was really cool and that's when I learned that's when I actually start paying more attention to it because Minecraft and these other games that these young kids are playing started exploding mm-hmm. my son loves it but um, I was noticing when anything he downloads in the cloud pops up on your other devices right so now there's all these you know lion run <laughs> all these games and I'm like wait a minute Let's slow down. Mm-hmm. And I started talking to him about you can't just be hitting download on every little thing. And I started right. looking into it myself. So, mm-hmm. you know, just trying to familiarize myself with it. Because um, it is scary. It is scary for any parents out there. Um, so, uh, Sheriff Hain was to be with us um, this evening. But we're going to read, I do want to read his statement um, real quick from today's joint statement. Uh, the time is 6.33 p.m. Uh, I worked for nearly four years to promote these types of investigations. However, because of manpower issues and other priorities, these extremely important investigations received divided attention over that time. Thanks to the great partnership the Sheriff's Office has made with State's Attorney Mosser, we have been able to establish a joint task force to fully implement this initiative. We now house an SAO, State's Attorney's Office Investigator, at the Sheriff's Office, and the two current SAO investigators are fully supported and assisted by Sheriff's Detectives. This model has proved effective in eradicating our community of these most egregious offenders. Um, working with Sheriff Hain on this mm-hmm. um, and the people who, um, because they're who are executing search warrants, correct? Our investigators and the investigators okay. at the Sheriff's Department. Okay. Um, let's, let's, let's talk about that. The sheriff's not here, so we can't see him in person right now, ladies and gentlemen, but we love Sheriff Haynes. He's a, he's a, a great man. Um, what's it like working with the, with the sheriff and having this combined team? To me, it's been great. I mean, what he isn't expressing in there is for the first four years of his term, this is a project he wanted to undertake where he wanted to go after the people who are exploiting our children. But the problem is he experienced the same thing everybody else did, which was manpower. To investigate one of these, you're dedicating days just to get to the point where you're getting to the search warrant of the home to get in there. And with all the other crime that the sheriff's department, sheriff's office, he always yells at me because I say department (laughs) instead of office, he um, 
they just didn't have the resources or the manpower. So this is when we discussed it together. I went to the county board and I petitioned them to add money to my budget so that I could have dedicated people to this topic. And so we were able to get our first investigator in August and he has been running these down essentially um, for the state's attorney's office by himself, but with the investigators at the sheriff's office. And that's how we've gotten to where we were. When we saw the need, and frankly, that we were gonna lose this fantastic investigator because there was no way he could keep up with it, we got our second investigator. Again, funded through the King County Board. Now, in the meantime, we had been uh, hoping that Zeus would come join us because he is by far and away an expert in all of this. And so we were very lucky to count him as a part of our team. We were able to get dedicated prosecutors for this as well. Um, Bob comes with the experience of having prosecuted these uh, for almost two decades. So it's been a fantastic partnership where we thought outside of the box because he wasn't going to be able to take people away from the crime investigation. I did have the ability to bring people in-house just to focus on all of this. And so now here we are. It's a dream team. It is a dream team. Yeah, you guys work well together. We just do. on the on the outside looking in and just and just seeing I know how you work with individuals and after meeting you two guys and seeing your passion um, it's it I've had the pleasure happy. of working with Bob Dorr for about well, I don't know 10 years um, and I've worked with uh, Andrew Euler and uh, Kevin Reynolds also for many years as part of the ICAC task force so we work very well together how can we help you how can the community and the people of Kane County help help and assist the efforts of the team and the unit. So one of the things is if you see something, tell law enforcement about it. Uh, we get a lot of cyber tips, but we also do get tips from people who may see it on somebody's phone or somebody's computer. When you see that and you suspect it to be, report it to law enforcement. Law enforcement doesn't have to release who you are, but they're gonna utilize the information to try to find out if this person is doing it, and that's the best way to stop what's happening. The other part is supporting initiatives like this. Uh, the two investigators and Zeus would not be here but for the support from the Kane County Board giving us additional money in our budget to be able to hire these highly trained individuals. Because you can't just give this investigation to somebody new, brand, brand new off the streets, no experience. The amount of experience and training that they have gets us these investigations and these prosecutions. So talking to the Kane County Board, supporting when they're being supportive of us for our law enforcement initiatives is one of the best ways to go. That took a lot for the board to be able to give me the funding to do what they do, and they did it unanimously. And I'm incredibly proud and grateful for all of that. Making sure our community tells the King County Board that that's, they're supportive of that also so that we can protect our kids is the best thing we could do. With the rise in the cases and the prosecutions, um, how have the penalties changed or stiffened or been enhanced? Turn that one over to you. Um, <clears throat> the wonderful thing about what's happened in the, uh, in the well, it's, there's nothing wonderful about child pornography or child exploitation, but the one thing that has changed is that uh, there, there, there's a statute of limitations on many crimes. Uh, fortunately for us on child pornography and child exploitation, especially with uh, the victims being younger, uh, our legislature has uh, eliminated the statute of limitations on child pornography. 
So there really isn't a staleness issue with mm-hmm. with the with our cases, and, and that's based on training experience and the experience of the investigators who presented it to the legislators and said this: the the predators cachet, they keep this stuff. It doesn't. It's not fungible. It doesn't rot or rot, rot away. That's why those videos of those little girls who are 11 years old who are still generating through the World Wide Web, they're still out there and they don't go away. So um, there shouldn't be a statute of limitations for prosecuting those, or for, for sharing or disseminating or reproducing those offenses. So that's one thing um, that the legislature has done and that's it's a great that's a great tool for prosecutors to use uh, in the prosecution of these cases too, and it assists the investigators because otherwise, if they're on if, if they're on the if if they're thinking they have to work against getting an investigation through because of a statute of limitations, there's a lot of pressure on them. But if in in working a case they find it, they can continue to, to refine it. And not have to worry about a statute of limitations. The penalties, uh, the penalties for disseminating uh, a uh, an image or a video of children um, is is a class X felony. It's non-probationable. Uh, it requires a sentence in the Illinois Department of Corrections, and it requires that that person be a registered sex offender for the rest of their life. Um, and this may sound like a uh, the question of a true novice, but what's the possibility of shutting down and destroying the networks themselves? The you know the, the whatever dot coms. What's what's is is that so possible? For, and the people involved in that, and you know. So when we're talking about peer to peer networks, unfortunately, those are decentralized. There's no one server that's sitting out there that has the child porn that you just cut the head off and it all goes away. Uh, it is it is decentralized across the world, and so everybody's trading little pieces of the files and recompiling them. So unfortunately, on those networks, there's no way to shut them down. All you can do is go and, and find the individuals that are participating in it. Okay. Uh, there are um, other issues with servers that do exist, like what I talked about, that are more centralized. Unfortunately, they are also like on the dark web. And so they may be in other jurisdictions, and their IP address may be hidden. And so uh, it's difficult to track those down. Um, so the problem, unfortunately, is not going away. Right. Well, we could get rid of the internet. I'm on board. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> some days I'm on board too. I mean, yes. sometimes you just wake up and you're like, you know, why is this? Why is this even even mm-hmm. happening out here? Um, we did talk in our um, in our previous conversation though about. Uh, and I think the, the the unfortunate incident at the Pulse nightclub was what we were talking about specifically when when going in or when requesting to search a phone and that pushback when that pushback comes. Um, you know, I believe that 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 pushback should not exist in such a situation. Now, we were talking about a shooting as opposed to exploitation. But is there any hope for um, a removal of that, of, that, of that pushback? Or is that above all of our heads when it comes to allowing you know, access to a, to a phone or a device without issue 
I know the topic a couple of years ago, it, it was a hot topic because of the San Bernardino incident yes, in California yes. with the terrorist attack yes. and whether or not the government should have some sort of backdoor into, say, an Apple product, That's the term, example. too. I think that's the term that they use. Uh, and so, you know, backdoors are very controversial, right? Um, they, a lot of people feel that there's a slippery slope, that what you give a backdoor, then anybody can find a way to exploit that. And there, there may be truth to that from a technological perspective. You may be able to exploit that backdoor. Uh, so it, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a tug of war between privacy and uh, the ability to get in, right? Uh, fortunately, um, a lot of the perpetrators that we track down are actually using platforms that aren't nearly as anonymous as they believe they are. Uh, or they make mistakes, and ultimately it comes back to an IP address, and that's what's what we chase down. So, and even those that are more sophisticated that use uh, encryption platforms and applications like Telegram uh, that use end-to-end encryption, um, we still catch them. You know, there are ways to do that. So it's a bit of a cat and mouse at times. An update will come out on a software program, and all of a sudden we're behind. But then you have research and development that goes on in the background, and we're able to catch on later on. Right. So, um, you know, I guess the message is, you know, you're, you're not as safe as you think you are when you're doing this stuff. And there is case law that I think is going to start supporting more of what we're doing. So there was a case that happened where the court ordered the individual to give their passcode to get into their phone. Now, the state was not allowed to use that information that the person um gave that information to show that the phone was theirs or they had access or whatever it was. But to me, that judge absolutely supported what we wanted to do, which was to see and to get the evidence via a search warrant and not have to put this on a system like Reiki, which could take hundreds of hours to even break into if we can break into it. And frankly, that's the aggressive way that we're going to go in terms of prosecutions, because if there is something we want to get into and we can't, we're going to be filing those motions and following that cases and see how that case goes up to from the appellate court to the Illinois Supreme Court. Interesting stuff when you talk to a state's attorney, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Interesting stuff. I'm thinking of uh, that song just playing in my head, Bad Boys, Bad Boys. <laughs> <laughs> What's she going to do? Um, so I want to read a, uh, a little bit more from the joint statement. Uh, time is 6. 46 p.m. Um, okay, I want to read about the team um, a little bit. So the first investigator hired was Drew Euler, extensive experience in investigating internet crimes for 17 years at the Wheaton Police Department. The office next added investigator uh, Kevin Reynolds, who gained his experience in investigating internet crimes during his 10 years with the Ottawa, Illinois Police Department. Uh, and most recently added computer forensic expert Zeus, who is here with us tonight, worked in career, uh, computer forensics, excuse me, the last 12 years at the Illinois Attorney General's office. The funding for this is approved by the Kane County Board. Um, additionally, St. Charles uh, Police Chief James Keegan allowed, agreed to allow the unit to use his department's cyber lab for these investigations. And it is Sounds an impressive cool. cyber lab, so Zeus yes. is... Yes, it's a beautiful facility, and I, I couldn't be thankful. They've been nothing but hospitable, uh, and they're providing everything that we need. You know, we're going to be adding equipment, and it's uh, it's sophisticated and very geeky. Very geeky. <laughs> very geeky. <laughs> oh, um, Zeus, we um, we have a very geeky camera. We have a JVC eight hundred and fifty. We have the we have the the bells and whistles um, news camera. 
what are the chances of us coming out and doing some on-scene recording, showing us what we could possibly be shown? Sure, absolutely. That would be yeah. awesome. We would appreciate that. No problem. Because um, we, uh, on the show, we do like to show people what the teams and people are doing in the county who do these great you know, great works. Like show them something a little bit new. So sure. we can come out and see something. We'll man, work that'd that be out. awesome. All right, I, I appreciate that. He All right, break right into your phone, Curtis. <laughs> I know he could. Actually, I know he could. Already did. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Jedi mind trick. Like, oh, those are the drones I'm looking for. <laughs> did he DoorDash something already? <laughs> you guys, food's on the way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I, I watched some of the the crime shows and stuff like that and and you see what these what these people are doing they get so used to their routine or or who they've been victimizing domestic violence um stalking using images from our past romance against mm -hmm. the victim yes bringing it up over and over i'm going to show your new husband all of that kind of stuff you know what these people are doing i it's just, it's really sad. It's right. really sad. Well, they, they've codified that. It's, uh, well, you, you, they call it the revenge porn statute, but it's the non-consensual non dissemination of private sexual images. So there's there's an actual statute in the Illinois uh, criminal code for that. So, right, right. Uh, we've prosecuted many mm -hmm. of those cases. Yeah, we have. And I mean, the great thing is that this is, it's more than just child pornography. This is an expertise in people who understand how to track down technology, how to track down these tips, how to break into what we need to get to, how to get the actual evidence. We are taking the King County State's Attorney's Office and Sheriff's Office to a whole new level in investigations, and I'm very excited to be a part of this. That's awesome. Um, and so one of the questions that we've asked you repeatedly, um, uh, State Attorney Monster, is the overall vision for Kane County, mm -hmm. uh, what we want to achieve and, and what our future is. So. With with the work of this unit and the other units that we put together, um, how do you see Kane County and law enforcement in the next five, ten years, and, and what should the uh, residents expect? So I think we have a great two-pronged path, essentially, what we want to do. And we've talked about this a lot on the show. There are so many people who come to us who commit crimes because of mental health, substance use, lack of resources, just plain stupidity. I mean, there's a, a whole lot of reasons why. My focus on those individuals is what can we do? How can we help you to get you out of the system? And that always starts with the why. Why did this occur? From the why then we could see what help is do you need so that you're not doing this? And so that's how we've created programs like our collaborative diversion. We've expanded our deferred prosecution. All of the teams that I have prosecuting cases here look to see is this person a danger or is this somebody we can help? And so that's a path we're going to continue to go down and with, my, with the sheriff and his programming within the jail, we're well equipped to do so. But, and there's this very important but here, there are some people who are so dangerous to our community and so dangerous to the vulnerable people in our community that there's no help for them. This child expectation unit is looking for those individuals because those are the individuals who are sharing this information, also creating it. We've have found people who are actually recording people within their own homes, family members, and then they share it with other people. And as Zeus very eloquently said this earlier, you can never get these back. And now these individuals know that this is out there. 
and they could be in a restaurant and somebody could be looking at them and then suddenly they're thinking, have they seen this photo? Have they seen this video of me? There's no excuse for the choices that those individuals are making to harm people and continue to harm and continue to harm. So the goal of this unit is not to um, put them in any type of the programming that we have, but the goal of this unit is to hold them accountable, send them to prison so that our children are safe. All right. Um, I think this is also a good time to mention that the Kane, uh, that Kane County has the um, bullying and young people initiative for, um, what's the acronym? It's, it's escaping me at the moment. It's like www something. Um, you guys know what I'm talking about? It's, I don't. It's, a, it's to let young people know about the dangers of um, of online predation. Okay. Uh, I think it was hosted by uh, Mr. Cunningham at the Kane County level. Possibly the chief judge. They have a dangers of the World Wide Web. Clint program. Hull. Yes. That's yes. right. Clint Hull. Yes. See, I knew we'd get there. We, yeah. We're always there. <laughs> <laughs> Clint, excuse me. Clint Hull. That's mm -hmm. right. The dangers of the web. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's That's a great, they, they go to schools, and obviously this is of no charge to any school, and they right. just talk about it from the legal perspective. We have a bullying program here that was here when I first was here, and we're going to revamp it, and it's called STOP, which is Stop Treating Other People, and then we talk about it. We talk about it from the law enforcement perspective because schools do a great job of talking about the emotional aspect. What they don't realize is all of the rest of the stuff that happens. We arrest kids for this type of behavior and we bring them over to our juvenile justice center. That's a terrifying thing. You have to come to court. Your parents have to come to court. There's a whole lot of things you could be ordered to do as a result of it. And so um, when we're able to get this up and running, we're going to be providing it to the schools, of course, free of charge. It has a program that is for students, a program that's for teachers, and also a program for parents so that parents can see what is going on and try to help their kids before it gets too bad. Uh, the time is 6.53. Um, any final words before we um, get to the, the last uh, last portion of the uh, interview? Any, any final words for people? Um, is there anything that we should expect or just watch the social media and, um, or how can folks get in contact with you gentlemen? That's you gentlemen. <laughs> Come to the we, courthouse. We don't want them to. Yeah. <laughs> fact, we're going to be busy you, fighting. Yeah. Yeah. One, one would not want to be contacted by these yes. gentlemen. I don't know if they want, want to be contacted. But, uh, Excuse me. I, I think this is a fantastic collaboration. Uh, I'm ecstatic to be here and ready to kick butt. Uh, one of the things I want to bring up is uh, if, if the citizens are concerned about cost as to our training, for instance, for my training, the only cost to the taxpayers because it was all grant funded through the National Center of Missing and Exploited Children for the seminars that I went to, week-long seminars. Uh, the only thing the taxpayers had to pay for was my transportation to and from O'Hare Airport. Other than that, it was all fully picked up by the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. When I went the first time for the uh, Protecting Our Children Online course, I met investigators from around the United States, military investigators, uh, we were introduced to some people from Interpol. Uh, then my second training included uh, an entire trial put together, you know, crossing experts, you know, putting on experts. Um, and again, the only expense to the taxpayers was 
my transportation to or from O'Hare or otherwise National Center for Missing Exploited Children picked up the tab and, and trained us on how to do these things. And that training is ongoing um, and will continue to ongo, not just for me, but uh, for our other uh, ASAs who are now in, in our supervisor. I talked to the head of the High Tech Crimes Bureau today who was attending from the Attorney General's <laughs> office and he mentioned right away, he said, let's Let's get some training for some of your people. And I said, no, we're all in. So that's what we're going to do. All right. Well, I'm uh, I'm very glad to have you guys here. Uh, the next Facebook Live is going to be on involuntary mental health uh, committal process. And May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, that's news hot off the presses. Um, well, uh, the time is 6.55 p.m. I want to thank uh, Mr. Robert Doerr, Chief of the Criminal Division again, State's Attorney Mosser, uh, Mr. Ju uh, Zeus Flores um, for this evening's discussion. Um, if anyone is interested, uh, the Kane County State's Attorney's website mm -hmm. has more information on uh, various services and programs within Kane County. Um, but I want to say thank you very much to everyone watching. Uh, lots of great people out here watching. So thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, we appreciate the opportunity to get together and highlight the message of our law enforcement partners once a month here on our show. Wonderful. And are we doing positive note ending? Yes, we are. Absolutely. Uh, the show ends on a positive note. So um, what is your message today for Kane County? Do you guys want to go? You go first. So... <laughs> This is my positive note. Um, this would not have happened if we continued the way that law enforcement typically, typically continues, which is we're siloed. For a long time, my job was just prosecution, and that was it. We weren't involved in anything else. The sheriff's office, that was just investigations. And so what we're doing here is something different. It's a collaboration. It is my office plus the sheriff's office. Plus, we work with others. I mean, I cannot express enough to Chief Keegan in the St. Charles Police Department because what we needed was a cyber lab, and that would have cost a couple million dollars and probably would have taken a long time to build. And But for a meeting that I had with the chief where he said, well, we have a lab. Why don't you just use our lab? Now, how often does that happen when somebody says, well, I have the resource that you need? Because we're siloed. But Chief Keegan knew that it was for the best, the betterment of this community that we all work together. Sheriff Hain actually has my two investigators over there. So he houses them and has been helping with costs with things. Um, Zeus is going to be working out of the St. Charles Police Department. So another place that somebody is giving us this to help because we're not siloed. Uh, Kwame Raoul, our Attorney General, works with us often in regards to these cases by providing resources such as Dave Hazlitt, who is their uh, Director of their High, high Tech Crimes Bureau. I mean, this is a person also can uh, combat Bob in terms of experience, but it's because we all want the same goal, which is to keep our community safe. So my positive note is we are thinking so differently here in Kane County, and we're working together we're not just working and doing something else. As a result of this, all of our communities within Kane County will be able to access the resources that we have to go to Zeus if they have a need to get into something or if they have questions, to talk to Bob, to talk to our investigators. So I just can't um, say how thrilled I am that this initiative is starting here because we are truly going to make a difference in Kane County. Wonderful. I don't know if I could top that. <laughs> uh, the reality is this topic is a sad, dark topic, right? Mm -hmm. But 
on on the other side of the of the token, you know, we get to do great work. You know, uh, we're able to sleep at night when we know that we've helped a victim, when we saved somebody. And so, it's, to me, it's just a privilege and an honor to be able to work on such a great team on the same mission. Wonderful, uh, sir. I have to echo that. It's a privilege to be able to work so much more closer with Zeus because uh, his resources and his time was spread out quite a bit when he was working with the Attorney General's office and he was all over the place. Uh, I was lucky enough to be able to work with him for the past 10, 13 years um, with all the cases that we were doing, but I know he was stretched in a lot of different directions, but to be able to uh, know that he is a resource now for our county and to work with Andrew Euler and the other investigators who really want to do a good job here with the county um, and our unit and our prosecutors that are dedicated to do it too. This is a dream come true. I, it is a dark topic and it is a sad reality in our society, but there is a lot of bright brightness coming from what the initiative that we've we've put together and what the state's attorney Mosser has has put together with the sheriff's department. It's yeah, there's going to be some good, good, good results from what we're doing, and I'm very happy about that. Well, we look forward to highlighting the work that the team continues to do. So, you know, on behalf of myself and the listeners of the show, thank you very much for what you guys do, and we are here to applaud your efforts as you. you continue to do that. Very detailed information, and thank you for the great presentation. Judy, I concur. And I think that's a great way to end the show. Thank you, Judy. Uh, the time is 7 o'clock p.m. Thank you, everyone, for watching. This episode will be uh, will remain on our Facebook page and be live, and the audio version will be on our Spotify as well, to which you can uh, subscribe. Thank you to all the participants and everyone watching. You guys have a great evening. Thank you. Awesome.